0: Welcome to the Sports on Point podcast for June 21st, 2010. I am your host, Matthew Smith.
1: And I'm your co-host, Mr. John Zavarelli.
2: And I'm the guy pressing the buttons. My name is Bob Severns. Wanted to start off this week announcing our results from last week's closing arguments. Now, do you guys have a feeling as to how you did? I
1: think I did all right.
2: It was actually, uh, due to listener votes, it was a draw this week. Dead even with the votes. So... I get to cast the deciding vote. I think John won last week. Whoopee! (laughs)
0: That breaks my undefeated streak. I know. It's got to end
2: sometime.
1: I'll
0: I'll never be perfect again. John
2: was on the ball last
0: week. John was on the ball last week. So, anyway. Congrats, John. Thank you, sir. Well, we didn't have a whole lot in the line of fan feedback this week, but apparently Tom Izzo was listening to the podcast. He took John's word of advice and decided to turn down the Cavs job. So, again, kudos to John.
1: Go Spartans.
0: And today on the podcast, we are not going to be talking about the Nintendo 3DS, Microsoft Connect, or anything else from the E3 convention.
1: We will not be talking about
2: Tina Finefrock. And I still will not be talking about the iPhone 4, even though uh, it sold out in the first day that it was on sale. All right, that's enough, Uh, Mac (laughs) fanboy. Thank you. (laughs) Now on to this week in sports. This is a section where we cover the top shared stories on the internet from every day of the past week, and our hosts will give a short comment on each. Beginning with Monday, Texas Longhorns leaning toward a ten school Big Twelve. This was from ESPN. Also from ESPN, Texas Longhorns Pac 10 commitment imminent. What do you think, Matt?
0: Ah, uh, the wonderful world of misinformation. ESPN was consistently beaten to the punch on the realignment news by sites like orangebloods.com, and they consistently had the wrong info.
2: What a circus this was. I'm glad it's over. Moving along to Tuesday England versus the USA. The viewing audience beats the first four games of the NBA Finals. John? World
1: Cup only happens every four years. You can't mess with soccer. It's a worldwide thing.
0: I don't want to hear any more nobody likes soccer talk from the fans.
2: Moving on to Wednesday, Tom Izzo rejects Cleveland Cavaliers, staying with Michigan State Spartans. Matt? Well,
0: it's about time. If Phil Jackson makes up his mind, we can uh, get on the real business of the offseason, which is free agency.
1: I think it was a good choice for Tom Izzo. He's got his best shot to win his second national championship, and it's a good choice for him.
2: Now to Thursday, the Devils named McLean as their new coach. The New Jersey Devils.
1: I think this is a good pickup for them. He's a he's their all-time leading goal scorer, and he's coming back as a coach. I think it'll be good for the fan base.
0: I love it when teams are loyal to their former players. It's just a shame they passed over him three times before they decided to make the hire.
2: On to Friday, a new record: three thousand eighty-five tweets were created per second during the NBA Finals. Matt.
0: Okay, now I finally understand why Twitter was over capacity so much this last week. Apparently they
1: weren't watching the the finals. They were just uh, tweeting. They weren't really watching the TV.
2: And on to Saturday. Virginia Hospital. Former NBA star Manute Bull dead at 47. This is from CNN.
1: This is a sad story. I remember Manute Bull when I was little. Uh, always playing, he, he did coin the term "my bad." I was I heard today on ESPN.
0: Awesome. I think uh, there's a lot more to basketball here. Uh, Manute Bol was more than a player; he also did a lot for his homeland of Sudan. Um, it's such a shame that people of his size are always seem to be passing away young.
2: Yeah, he seemed to be a gentle giant. He will definitely be missed. And on to Sunday. French players in revolt after Anelka is sent home, The
0: whole team should have been sent home, not just Anelka. This team is really stinking the place up, and they shouldn't even be here.
1: It's amazing how sad a perennial power looks when they they start
2: losing. It's pretty sad. And now on to the news that can't be ignored. This is the stuff you guys should have been tweeting and talking about. NBA
1: final results, the Lakers take it in Game 7. Uh, Kobe Bryant is named the MVP for his fifth world title, and Ron Artest thanks his therapist.
0: Okay, in World Cup results, the scoring is finally starting to pick up, and it's getting a little bit more exciting. I'd have to say Spain and England have to be the biggest disappointments so far.
1: The NBA draft is coming up on Thursday. Uh, We've talked about this in a previous podcast and all of our Top 10 predictions are on the website.
0: Graham McDowell wins the U.S. Open in his first attempt. It's an impressive win and the first European to win in 40 years. Is he going to be the next great all-time golfer? I don't think so.
2: And that was the news that can't be ignored. Now on to our main points section. This is where we discuss three major topics in sports this week, and our hosts give their opinions on each. Starting off with main point number one, we're going to give a NBA playoffs recap, and we're going to start off with Matt.
0: All in all, I wouldn't say it's the most exciting NBA playoffs I've ever watched. At least we had a competitive finals series, although I mentioned last week, and I still believe the refs were playing way too much of a role, at least in the early games. The only other Game 7 that we saw in the entire playoffs was between the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks, and let's face it, nobody outside of Atlanta or Milwaukee uh, cared about that result at all. The conference finals and the semi-finals were definitely disappointing. Uh, In the semis, Cleveland was the only team that got sent home that actually won a game. And since they were the number one seed, it was still disappointing. The conference finals each went to six games, but neither one was really competitive. I don't think anybody really gave Phoenix or Orlando a shot after game two. The... Potential that we had here coming into the playoffs seemed pretty high because there was a lot of teams who could possibly be making their last playoff run with their star players intact. But all in all, it didn't really pan out to the hype that was built for it. I want to say shame on Cleveland, Orlando, and Atlanta for not upping their intensity as they entered into the playoffs. They thought they could get by with what they were doing in the regular season. And we've seen year in and year out, you just can't get away with that. A lot of teams in the West kind of got riddled by injuries, so I can't really point the finger too much at them, but the Western Conference fin- or Conference Tournament should have been a lot more exciting to watch. Hopefully next year there'll be some new new key players in some new places, and we'll have an exciting playoff for a change.
1: You know, at the beginning of this, or the beginning it was a foregone conclusion it would be LeBron versus Kobe for the second year in a row. Uh, it didn't work out that way. I remember... what. The playoffs when I was younger and the playoffs were exciting. I was excited for playoffs. It was a good time to watch good basketball. This year was not good at all. I agree with Matt on that. You had Boston versus LA was the best series by far because it went seven games. It was competitive pretty much the whole time except one game. You had Oklahoma City and the Lakers was the probably the first round matchup was the best matchup other than the final series. It just wasn't good. I mean, you didn't have any long series, any any rivalries, really. Boston and the Lakers were the, the biggest rivalry. I honestly think they need to take out technical... I mean, let them throw punches. I don't care. Suspend people. It makes it more exciting. This it, There's no rivalry to it anymore. I mean, back in the day when you saw these, these teams play, you had rivalries. You have Jeff Gundy grabbing on people's legs, and now you just... You get a, a technical foul for just for backing into somebody. So I think that kind of took away from the high intensity of the playoffs. But other than that, I hope to see a better playoffs next year. Definitely. Maybe the, rival, the rivalries will continue. You're going to see a lot of team, players changing this year, obviously, because of the free agency. But overall in all, I'd give it a, a 4 out of 10 on a scale of 10 as far as the playoffs being good this year.
0: Yeah, it really makes you long for those days when you had the Celtics and the Pistons and the Bulls battling it out in the early 90s. You, you just wish there was some type of series worth watching before the finals.
2: And now on to main point number two. Is Tiger on the downside of his career, or are personal matters affecting his play? John? In my opinion, I think Tiger's
1: personal matters are really affecting his play. It all comes down to me with an athlete is confidence. Confidence is almost just as important as God-given talent. Over this whole five-month, six-month period where he's had mistresses and this and that and been accused, he's kind of lost his mystique. With him getting caught, he's no longer on top of the world. He sees himself as just a man. I I believe maybe his rehab, that's what it was taught. I believe he said that in one of his press conferences. It kind of makes him look at himself as a, a man, and I think that took away from his confidence. I think he still has the ability to be the best golfer in the world, however, he's not playing like it and i think it has a lot to do with his confidence and him thinking that he can't do it anymore. He may say otherwise. I mean anyone any athlete's never going to concede that they're not they're not the best, but to me he's given up. I mean, not really given up, but he's not as confident as he used to be. He's he's not playing like he's the best player in the world and players aren't scared of him anymore. So players aren't going to get uh roused they're not going to get riled up by playing with him or him nipping at their heels because Honestly, the last few majors he's played in, he's been right in the thick of things, but come to the fourth round, he hasn't been Sunday Tiger. He's he's just been regular Tiger, um, just a man. So I think once he gets his confidence back, I think he'll, he'll be back to where he was, but confidence is hard to get back. Sometimes you don't see athletes ever get it back, so it's up in the air on that.
0: Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to see the same confident Tiger that we've seen in the past. Sure, there's been some problems with personal issues that have had an effect on the way he's been playing, and maybe there's something to the whole rehab taken away from his confidence and making him think he's, he's mortal again. But I'm not sure we're ever going to see the Tiger of old again for some other reasons as well. If you recall, Tiger Woods has now had four surgeries on his knee and he has some swing mechanics that really put a lot of force on that same knee time in and time out. I think it could be problematic for him over the remainder of his career. Uh, he takes about a 100 practice swings, or I should say he takes at least a 100 practice swings every day and has for about the last 20 years. When there's a single point of tension like there is in a knee in his mechanics, it's going to wear and tear and it's going to cause some damage to ligaments, tendons. You've seen some problems that he's had recently with his neck and, of course, the personal issues. But I think from a long-term standpoint, the knee is a bigger problem than either one of those two things combined because he can't continue to do damage to that knee and keep a consistent swing. Even a slight little tweak to that swing can wreak, ha- wreak havoc on his game and... Uh, and it could it could be very detrimental to him for the remainder of his career. I think he's still got a shot at catching Jack on the all-time majors list uh, because, let's face it, an inconsistent Tiger is still better than most of the golfers on the tour. But if you think about it, the reports of the U.S. Open sounded surprised that Tiger was in competition, not the usual Tiger versus the field reporting that we're used to seeing. I have to say Tiger's best days are probably behind him at this point.
1: I think a lot of the ways you can, uh, correct the swing issue is basically you're gonna have to take some distance off the swing. I mean, you can correct that obviously by not torquing that knee as much. I think where he's really gonna have to step up and improve his game is on the putting because the put, the putting's probably the most important. And if he can, uh, correct that issue, that'll, c- I think that'll come with time, but I think he can turn that around and, uh, start having better rounds and tournaments.
2: Now on to main point number three. U.S. soccer team catching breaks on their way to a likely elimination round berth.
0: Yeah, it's been a roller coaster of a World Cup experience for the U.S. team so far. They've had some breaks that have gone their way and definitely some ones that haven't. Uh, No question they got a huge break when the English goaltender Robert Green let the ball skid past him for the goal in the first game. But at the same time, there's no question that they got a bad break when Robbie Finley was given a yellow card uh, after a ball hit his upper chest and they called him for a handball, gave him a yellow card. He'll actually miss the next match against Algeria. Definitely a bad break there. Definitely a bad break when the ref disallowed the goal in the 86th minute against Slovenia. Uh, I'm I'm kind of siding with a lot of other Americans that have chimed in on this thing because I don't fully understand how a ref can call a penalty and not indicate who the penalty was on or even what the infraction was. If you think about it, it's kind of like an NFL playoff game that's tied late in the game. A team scores a touchdown. The ref throws a flag says you have to run the play over again, but never bothers to say why it's something that, the fifa organization is is used to because that 's the rules of the game, uh, but here in America, our systems kind of allow for more um, accountability for the referees and and I think we 're just too used to seeing that and can 't let this one slip by. Soccer referees in other countries I've seen have been escorted uh, by security details because they've been threatened with uh, certain regularity when they make bad calls like this. I think this case, the ref is lucky. He drew, he drew um, a team with less passion for soccer like the United States. The worst we're doing to him apparently is by hacking his Wikipedia entry. Ultimately, the U.S. got another break that helped them out because Algeria pulled off a miracle tie against England one to one, putting the U.S. in the driver's seat to move on to the elimination round. But they really can't rely on these breaks anymore. They got to start winning games more handily.
1: Yeah, it has been an interest interesting work week for the U.S. soccer. They did pull off a nice little tie with England. They got the the goal to go past the goalkeeper for England, and it, I mean that was a big break for them. As far as bad breaks, one one was a break that was a mistake by a player. Another one was definitely the mistake by the referee. I watched the game. I woke up early to watch the game. I was excited to watch the game, and then they went down 2-0, and I pretty much thought it was over. Second half, they score about two minutes into the second half, and then I was like, I think this will be a good game because they were moving the ball a lot. And I guess that's good because I'm not much of a soccer guru, but... It looked like it was exciting. It looked like they were playing good soccer. The the ref at the end, I saw three U.S. players that were being held, and I saw no offsides or anything like that. And as far as all the experts, they saw nothing as well. It was a bad play. I think overall, in the end, it's going to be good for the U.S. because it gave them a lot of confidence coming back from 2-0 down. You really don't see teams come back from 2-0 down in those situations. And for the U.S. to do it, it kind of gave them some confidence to do that. I saw Landon Donovan was talking about it. He said that uh, you really don't see – you only see the caliber teams like Brazil or Spain or the top-tier teams are able to come back from 2-0 deficits and things like that. So that gave them a lot of confidence. And then when England and Algeria did tie, that put – Uh, The U.S. right back in the driver's seat where all they need to do now is win. I don't think they're going to get it on a draw because I think the the last match between Slovenia and England is going to, I think England's going to take it. So this puts them back in the driver's seat to go into the round of 16 and have a chance at winning the whole World Cup.
0: One thing I think gets a little bit foreign to us here in the States is that the FIFA, the FIFA organization has really made it a point to not allow goals that aren't deserved, whereas in most American sports, we have a tendency to rule in favor of the score because the score is what makes it exciting. In a a football game, they're more likely to call a touchdown and then review to try to overturn it. They're not generally going to not call a touchdown and then review to score the touchdown. So it's just kind of a difference in priority. The FIFA team wants to not award scores that aren't deserved, and uh, typical American organizations don't want to take away a score that is deserved. It's just a different
2: mindset. And on to our closing arguments section. This section is where our hosts will present their closing arguments as in a court case. It can be about anything on their mind this week. There are no rebuttals or comments allowed, and you, the listener, will vote on who presented the best closing argument. Now moving along to closing argument number one. Matt, I'm going to have you introduce your closing argument, and then we'll start the timer.
0: My closing argument is that Texas has played everyone except for Tom Osborne like a fiddle. I don't think we're breaking any news here by saying that Texas spurned the Pac-10 at the 11th hour. They kind of held the entire Big 12 South in limbo as they were making the decision, and ultimately they all decided to go back and form that 10-team Big 12. In the end, I think it was just a money and a power grab. There was uh, a lot of talk, of course, about the money, 20 to $25 million. We all know about that. But I want to talk a little bit more about the power play that Texas was making. When Nebraska and Colorado left... Texas had a lot of leverage that they needed to get what changes they wanted implemented into their conference. They decided they were going to take the opportunity to flirt with the Pac-10 and force the Big 12 to scramble to secure funds to kind of appease them. The conference was literally like groveling at their feet. They let Texas retain their local TV rights so they could start their own cable network. Ultimately, in this whole process, Texas was holding the fate of two different conferences in their hand. You could even argue a third if you believe the SEC rumors. Now you got teams like Baylor, Mizzou, Kansas, Kansas State, and Iowa State who are looking at Texas as their savior because they prevented the dissolving of the Big 12 and they were no longer going to be relegated to a lower-tier conference like the Mountain West In 1994, there were four teams from the SWC that joined the Big 8 to form what is now known as the Big 12. I contend it wasn't as much of a merger as it was a takeover. At the time, Nebraska was a Big 12 power. They had a lot of conference records. Texas didn't want to compete with those past records, and they lobbied for the le- the records to be reset. And, of course, they won. All the records were reset. Big 8 records no longer stood. It was now all about the Big 12. Nebraska, because of the division al- alignments, lost their Oklahoma rivalry while Texas got to keep theirs. Tom Osborne made no secret about the fact that he was upset that the- with the power that Texas held. It looks like he was right. That's why in Nebraska jumped at the chance to join the Big Ten, which is where they could play with a somewhat even playing field. Meanwhile, Texas got exactly what they wanted, and they will continue to until somebody has the nerve to say no to them.
2: And now closing argument number two. John, I'm going to have you introduce your closing argument and then start the timer.
1: My closing argument is I think with this last championship, Kobe has now become the greatest Laker of all time. Me, for one, I've actually always been against kobe for a long time at the beginning of his career i didn't think i thought he was a selfish player uh, i thought he didn't mess, mesh well he wasn't a good teammate over time in the last few years i've seen him matured a lot more he's now become the best laker of all time as far as lakers players there's been a lot of good lakers players no doubt about that my top two are between magic and kobe now raking up against each other magic won five t- titles kobe's won five titles Magic won titles with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he had James Worthy. Kobe's won titles with Shaq, and now Gasol. I think that what makes gives Kobe the nod on this is that Kobe, with Shaq, I mean those three titles were impressive. But then they went through a rebuilding period, and Kobe with now Pau Gasol is his main sidekick. I don't think Gasol is a Hall of Famer yet, so I think it was more impressive when he won the titles with Gasol than magic winning him with james worthy and kareem abdul jabbar that gives him a nod on that as far as overall players i think magic johnson was a better overall player um, offensively uh, he did rebounds assists and he scored he could play all five positions as well offensively kobe's primarily a shooting guard he can get rebounds when he wants to but he he can assist when he wants to but he he's just a lot of a scorer defensively i would give the nod over kobe Kobe was an all-defense, all-time defensive great. He's been to the all-defensive team many times, I believe eight. Uh, Magic Johnson wasn't as good on defense as Kobe Bryant was. So all in all, I think if you add the championships, this is a date, an era in sports where you can be measured by championships. So I think Kobe gets the nod over Magic. They're tied for titles, but if you add in the other elements as far as team players and The fact that Magic had more had better players with him than Kobe. I think Kobe gets a nod.
2: This has been Sports on Point. To vote for your winning closing argument, send a direct tweet to our podcast at twitter.com slash sports on point. And as always, send your suggestions on how we can improve the show to feedback at sportsonpoint.com.
0: Thanks for listening, guys. We look forward to bringing you the sports again next week.
1: See you, guys.